bless you Jesus we bless you Jesus you're worthy today Lord hallelujah you remain standing with me today I want to turn our attention to the word of the Lord the book of 2nd Kings chapter number 4 amen we're going to begin reading with verse number 17 amen turn to your neighbor one more time and say I was glad when they said unto me let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. While you're turning there, let me once again thank everyone who made our Friends and Family Day such a great success last uh, last Sunday. I believe they boiled somewhere between 900 to 1,000 pounds of crawfish, and they were some of the most delicious crawfish that I have ever enjoyed. Amen. Did you enjoy those crawfish? Brother Jamie, Brother James, Brother Chase, I know Brother Dustin, they had a whole host of people with them, and so I'm so thankful that they made that a success. Sister Caleb, Brother James headed that up, and then also this this last week, we were able to bless our teachers. Sister uh, Judy Case had a team with her. Um, I don't know who all it was, but if you were on that team, we want to say thank you. They delivered a meal to our teachers in Catahoula Parish, and so I want to give them such a great hand clap of appreciation. I'm glad to be a part of a church that's involved. Amen. Involved in our community. Next week will be our graduation service. Uh, please be prepared to enjoy a meal afterwards. We have Sister Sadie uh, Stevenson, Brother Gavin, and Sister Lucy that are going to be graduating, and so we want to make sure that they uh, receive recognition for that. Amen. Verse 17, And the woman conceived, bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said unto his father, My head, my head, and he said to a lad, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read the rest of the text. I'll uh, elaborate throughout the message. But I want to take my subject matter today from the words of the father in verse 19. Carry him to his mother carry him to his mother. Lord bless you. You may be seated. The year was 1820 and Peter Richley was indeed a grateful man. His story is quite unique and in researching it out I've found that it does bear truth and felt that it would be uh, timely to share this morning. He had survived one of the strangest and most harrowing events even known to mankind. The ship that he was traveling on 
sank. He was rescued, and by some strange twist of circumstance, the, sh- the second ship sank. He was rescued again. The third ship sank. He was rescued again. The fourth ship sank. And unbelievably, he was rescued again. But the fifth ship sank as well. Y'all think I'm making this up, but I'm not. It would have been laughable had it not been so serious. On the high seas, however, he floated with the serene confidence that somehow God did not want him to die. Sure enough, as if on cue, another ship came by and answered his call for help. This ocean liner, known as the City of Leeds, was named after its British city of origin. And it was bound from England to Australia and traveled the same sea lane as Peter Ridgely's downed ships. The crew of the city of Leeds hoisted Peter aboard, provided him with proper dry garments. The ship's doctor gave him an exam, pronounced him fit, and then asked him the most unusual favor. That doctor said, there's a lady on board who booked passage to Australia. She's looking for her son who disappeared years ago. She's dying. And she's asking to see her son as she parts this earth. She knows everybody on board except you. And since you're the only newcomer, would you pretend to be her son to give her some peace of mind. Reluctantly, he agreed. After all, his life had now been saved all of these times, and what's the, what's the worst that could happen? He could help this lady in the, in the final stages of her life. So he walked below the deck and entered into a cabin. And there, on a small bed, lay a frail woman with silver hair, obviously suffering from the effects of a high fever deliriously crying out, please God, let me see my son before I die. I must see my son. The ship's doctor gently pushed the young man toward the bed. Soon, however, tears began to flow out of this man's eyes for lying there on that bed was the reason that he couldn't seem to die. Here was the lifeline that had kept him from drowning five times. For lying on that bed was none other than Sarah Richley, who had prayed for ten years to be reconciled to her son Peter. The ship's doctor stood in amazement as the young man fell down by the bed and embraced the sick woman, crying, Mama, I'm here. It's me. Within days, the fever had subsided. And his mother awakened to find an answered prayer seated on the edge of her bed. Never underestimate a praying mother. There are people here today 
not because you navigated life on your own intellect, but you're here today because when your ship was sinking, there was a mother that was praying. When your world was being turned upside down, unbeknownst to you in the wee hours of the night, there was a mother that was calling upon the name of the Lord. There was a mother that was pleading the blood over your family. There was a mother that was lifting up your job and your finances and your future before the Lord. While we may be quick to take to take credit for our own successes in life, I come to remind you today that there was a mother somewhere behind the scenes that was calling upon the name of the Lord. There was a grandmother that was calling upon the name of the Lord. Can I tell you today, mothers, that you're more valuable than we give you credit for. Oftentimes, mothers are, are, are overlooked, unnoticed. I can, I can think of the many times I'd be preaching while evangelizing, praying people through the one everybody sees but then there was a mother in the nursery with two or three children just trying to keep them taken care of. People think, well, that's not a big deal. It is a big deal because she spent more time in other people's nursery than she did in other people's altars because she was trying to set an example of being in the house of the Lord even when you don't feel like being in the house of the Lord. Let me talk to some young mothers. There's seasons that you go through and it's rough because you feel like you don't get anything out of church and you feel like, what's the use of being in the house of God if all I do is fight children? Let me tell you what you're doing. You set an example of being in the house of the Lord. No matter what comes your way we go to church don't you think that those babies are watching don't you think that you're being taken for granted Hallelujah. I got a lot of mercy with babies a lot of mercy with young mothers we, we know what it's like to have those four children I, I, I remember one of, the, one of the worst well it wasn't bad it wasn't bad but I felt bad I preached a youth rally one time and at this particular church and you know children attract children and for some reason all the children decided to go to that pew that all my children were on with my wife and I preached nearly an hour that night I don't preach an hour and it was Katie bar the door we was we was ready to get done with that service because, but she, she sat there through it with all those children. I've got a lot of mercy with mothers and young, young children because you're, you're setting an example. Don't you measure how effective you are by how much you're praying in the altar at that time. You just be consistent in the house of the Lord with those children. What makes a great mother? Let's look at it. Bible says that this lady, if you back up, that... She was a great mother. That's what it calls her. Great, great woman. Sorry. She was a great woman. And here the prophet kept passing by the house. And she spoke to her husband and said, why don't we make a room for this man of God? He's passing back 
and forth, back and forth. Let me tell you, the first reason that she can be known as great was she recognized the need for the man of God in their life. The man of God was passing by. She just had to make room for the man of God. Man of God is indicative of the voice of God, the representation of God. And a great woman is great because she understands I've got to have God in my life. I'm not, I'm not casting stones. At, uh, uh, there's, there's, there's women all over this world that are moral uh, and, 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 and they're, they're, they're wonderful caretakers and wonderful homemakers. But let me tell you, in the eyes of God, the first thing that makes a woman great is you've got to recognize my home needs God in it. If you're trying to lead children without God in it, you're leading them in the wrong direction. The world is pushing its, its ungodly agenda. And they're, in, they're incessant. They won't stop. They keep doing it. And, 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 and we cannot expect the world to change. The world's not going to say, oh, we've, we've, we're too evil. We'll hold up. We'll back up a little bit. World's not going to say that. It takes the church that has to rise up to counter the culture of the world. How do you do it? You got to make sure God is in your home. You got to make sure the voice of God is speaking to your children. And, and mothers, let me just say this, and, and this fits for, for fathers as well. Your voice ought not be one that just confirms everything your children like, but your voice ought to be one that confirms what they've got to hear to make it to heaven. Anybody ever told, your, your mother ever told you something you didn't like? We got this buddy mentality that's ruining culture. Ruining culture. It's ruining our families. We're not their buddies. We're not their friends. We're their parents. I, I, I've told this story here, I believe. I remember I went through a rebellious phase with my mother or with with. With, with me, my mother beat the rebellious phase out of me. And, and, and my pastor, I wanted long sideburns. I wanted Elvis sideburns. I wanted them all the way down to here. And my pastor preached middle of the ear. Well, that's great if you got big ears, but if you got short ears, then you don't have much room for sideburns. And I went through a rebellious phase and, and I was taken off the platform and so I decided, tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to grow me out some sideburns. I'm going to show them. See, what's on the inside does manifest itself on the outside. And so what I did, I waited until everybody left. And when I shaved, I stopped right here at my jawline and had... Wasn't a whole lot, it was, but it was noticeable, you know. My friends would have noticed I was trying to grow some out. And I had it all planned out, Brother Black. I was going to hide in the bathroom and walk in at church time. And so I went and hid in the bathroom and heard from music start, and I thought, all right, let's go. So when I opened the door, what I didn't take into account was it was across from the prayer room. And when I'm opening the bathroom door, guess who was opening the prayer room door? Mama. 
She looked at me. She said, you better get in that vehicle right now. Yes, ma'am. Here I was, a grown man, 17 years old. But you turn into a little boy when mama talks to you a certain way. And I got in that vehicle, and she began to preach. You are not going to be rebellious in my house and marched me in the house and stood next to me while I, I shaved those sideburns. Embarrassed? You better believe I was embarrassed. Thankful? I'm looking back now saying thank you, Jesus, that I had a mama that realized it may be sideburns right now, but if we don't get a hold of this, it's going to be something different in the future. Young people, let me tell you, you ought to be thankful you got a mama that wants to make sure God is where it needs to be in your life. Don't you get mad at mama for telling you what's right. Great woman. Mothers, let me tell you, you are the one. You are the one that will choose the adjectives read at your funeral. You. By the way you live. When I go to a funeral, every time I'm, I'm leaving, this is what goes through my mind. What's going to be said about me? What adjectives? Grouchy? Loving, kind, godly. Mothers, you're the one that gets to choose what adjectives are used when people are talking about you, when your children and your grandchildren are talking about you. And so you want to make sure that they use the right adjectives. Prayerful, worshipful, consistent, loving. Does, it, does that mean you're never going to have a bad day? Absolutely not. Absolutely. You're human. This was a great woman. But we see, we see doubt creep into her mind. After, after a while, the prophet said, is there anything this woman needs? Gehazi said, well, she don't have a child. He said, you call her in here. He looked at her and said, according to the season of life, you're going to hold what your heart desires one day. I'm paraphrasing. And this is what she said. Now, this is a great woman. She said, don't you play with me. That's my vernacular. Don't you play with me. That's why I've always hesitated when I've seen, I've walked into churches and seen people, ladies' bellies begin to grow, and I immediately know that they're going to have a child. Well, you know, you better know that that's God because you don't want to play with a woman. When it comes to you're going to have a child. And so this woman, doubt, you can see doubt in her mind, in her spirit. Don't play with me, preacher. That's the one thing I wanted more than anything was what I've never been able to have. It doesn't mean you're not great just because you doubt. It means that you've got to have enough faith for your faith to rise above your doubt. And I want to preach to some women and some mothers who are looking at your children and you're going, God, when are they ever going to come back to the house of the Lord? And your doubt is trying to rise above. Let me tell you, you got to have your faith rise above your doubt today and say, it doesn't matter. i got a word from God and I'm going to stand upon that word. It doesn't matter what happens. I've got a word.
Here, here we go. Scripture jumps ahead. Obviously, her faith met up with her destiny, and they had a child. And the Bible says when, when some time had come to pass, and when, he had, when he, the child was grown, now, that, that's subjective, okay? We don't know if it's five years old, 50 years old, because you never stop growing. Either you're growing up or you're growing out, but you're growing. But when it was grown, it went out to the field to daddy. Went to work in the field and said, my head, my head. In other words, we've got a problem here. And generally speaking, mamas are more compassionate than daddies. Amen. My dad got to where he wouldn't take me fishing. Because I like to catch. I don't like to fish. I like to catch. And I can remember we had a camp on Toledo Bend. And I can remember going out there, catching nothing. But you know, this is how I know I'm not a fisherman. Because a true fisherman can catch nothing and fish 12 hours. That's not me. If, like, if, I, if, if it's 30 minutes, we don't have a fish in the boat, there ain't a fish in the lake. No bueno. And my dad got to where he'd stopped taking me. Because after about 30 or 45 minutes, I went into I don't feel good, my I don't feel good routine. We're on the other side of the lake. I don't feel good. I just don't feel good, Dad. I just don't feel. And so, and, and, and Dad would, well, you know what he would do? I'm bringing you to your mama. Fed up with it. Hear this man? Bring him to his mama. Carry him to his mother. I got work to do. I'm in the field. Carry him to his mama. And mama, when that boy came in, Bible said he laid on her lap and died. Now, obviously, it couldn't have been a grown man. Might have been five, seven, eight years old. But here's what mama, what made her great. She didn't accept what she saw as final. Mothers have a way of just seeing beyond the present. They may you may look at that child and see them struggling right now in the world, but they're not going to stop praying because they're not going to accept what they see as final. They may not be living for God like they need to be right now, but I'm not going to give up on that child and say it's final. I want to encourage some mothers today. Don't write that child off. Don't write that child off. You don't know, you don't have a clue of what God can do to turn that situation around. I can remember my mama saying, I'd go to her and complain about something, uh, one of my brothers or something, and she'd say, baby, you just don't know. And if you have multiple children and the older they get, it's not that you defend, not that mothers, this is what I learned about my mother. It's not that she would defend, she just wanted to explain that there's more to it that you don't understand. Mother, does that make sense? Because you know each child is different. Each child is unique and, and each child has their own struggles. But mama's not going to give up and stop praying over those children. And so she says, let's go. 
Let's go to the man of God. She knew where to go when trouble hit. Let's go to God. And she laid that child on the bed of the man of God and when confronted by Gehazi, is everything okay? It's well. It's well. We know good and well that what she was facing was not well. But she allowed what she saw on the inside to dictate what was going to happen on the outside. I want to preach to some mothers today. Don't let what you see on the outside determine what happens on the inside. But let what you know on the inside determine what happens on the outside. Amen. Don't accept anything as final. Something about mothers. The Bible says the Jerusalem, which is the church, the mother of us all. Let me draw draw you some parallels about this great, great woman. The church, just like this mother, understands that you got to have God right in the middle of it all. You didn't walk into a church this morning that believes in going through rituals and motions and, and all. We, we are a church that knows that without the spirit of the Lord, then we're just a social club, club and a concert. But what makes this place special this morning is that this is the house of the Lord. This is the house of mercy. This is the place where the spirit of the Lord flows freely. And what happens When people are hurt out in the field, they get carried to mama. There's people that walk in those doors that are bruised by life. There's people that walk through those doors that have been let down by family. Their jobs are in turmoil. Their relationships are messed up. They're out in the field and they have no option but to let me go to mama. And when they come into the house of the Lord, they're swaddled in the arms of a mother that does not accept them as they are but realizes that everything is going to get better. My friend, the beauty of the church and the beauty of the altar is that people will fall on it and die but the church is not going to let them stay dead it's not going to let them stay down it's not going to let them stay defeated the church didn't give up on you but you know what when you were broken and you were bruised and you were messed up by life there was a mama that had her arms open said we love you the church has always been come as you are but it's never been stay as you are. And let me just say this. I know this is a Mother's Day, and mothers, I just don't care. I don't care this morning. I'm going to say whatever I want to say. And sin is running rampant. And we've got to get over some of this mentality that some sin is worse than others. Now, are the consequences worse than others? You better believe it. You probably won't get locked up for stealing a piece of bubble gum. You'll spend the rest of your life in jail for murder. Okay? But sin is sin. And we have to have an open mind as this world gets darker that those doors are open to everybody. Period. And just because you can see somebody sin and you can't see somebody else doesn't mean you love one less than the other. You love them all. 
us them all. You know, you go to a family reunion and you get multiple generations, you got the crazies that show up. But you know what? Mama's going to hug that crazy one and love all over that crazy one just like everybody else that's all polished and refined because mama's love reaches everybody and the church is mama and those arms are open to everybody. Whosoever will, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. You get those people that don't like mama's rules. They don't like how strict mama is. They don't like what mama says. Hey, I remember, I remember, of course, before cell phones, I'm not old enough for the party lines. Some of you remember party lines. But my mama used to tell me, you don't have any privacy in my house. And I would want to go talk on the phone. You know where she put the phone? Right there in the kitchen. That way she could hear anything and everything that was being said. And I would beg for a cordless phone. You know where the pulled out the antenna on it and sat on the receiver? Well, you couldn't get a cordless phone. And I remember I wore her down. And we got about a 30-foot cord. Which means it was like 60 foot because you could stretch that thing. We lived in a little thousand square foot house with a hallway and a couple little rooms. And I'd get on the phone and I'd walk from the kitchen all the way down the hall into the bedroom. And we compromised. She had a corded phone and I got a little bit of privacy. But mama wasn't there to tell you everything you wanted to hear. Mama was there to tell you everything you needed. And when, when you love mama, it didn't matter what mama said. When you loved her, it don't matter. See, the people that somehow end up out of the church because they don't like what's being said. It's too restrictive. Their love for mama. I'm not talking about their love for, for the father. There's the father. But then the father said, I got to put a mother, the church, to help you. There's a day that mama, you live long enough, mama's going to be gone. And there's a day coming when mama, the church, is going to be gone. And you'd give anything You'd give anything to hear mama talk again, wouldn't you? There's going to come a day when people are going to be banging on the doors. You better believe it. Trying to get to mama. All they're going to do is come to an empty building. Because mama's going to be gone. And all the rules and restrictions that they thought was hindering them, they realize wasn't as bad. As you thought. Stand with me. Go ahead and play that, brother. Greg. Hey, I just left the doctor. He was really good. I liked him a lot. He's happy with 
being my doctor and me going back to MD Anderson for checkups. I'm going to get a port and then hopefully start my treatment next week. But I'll keep you posted. Love you. Bye. Don't mean anything to you. That's the only voicemail I got from Mama. I went through all my deleted. Went through everything. And Brother Wayne, when Mama's gone, you hold on to even the least significant of her voice. Because that's Mama. And there's going to be a lot of people, going to be a lot of people, when Mama's gone, wish they'd have just had something that Mama told them one more time. Wish they'd have listened one more time to Mama. I come this morning not only to preach to mothers and to encourage and admonish you to be the best mother that you can be, but I come this morning to tell you that there's a mother called the church. It's not going to be around forever. In fact, there's only one or two pieces of sand left in that hourglass before mama's going home. And it, when mama's going home, rules don't matter. Restrictions don't matter. You're going to wish that you'd listen to mama just a little bit longer. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over this building today. Mothers, I want you to grab the hand if you can. Grab some of your family. I realize today that not every mother has their family with them. And I recognize that the Bible lists the husband and the father as the spiritual head of the house. But this morning I want to do it just a little bit different. I want mothers to lead the way. I want mothers to grab a hold of family, meet family up here. If your mother's not here, find someone close to you that you can come with. But I'm inviting families to this altar. Mothers, grab a hold of them. Grab those grandbabies.